Recovery On Air, the official podcast of Crossroads Addiction Rehabilitation. Candid discussion about addiction and recovery with the people who have lived it, along with input from experts on the journey from struggle to triumph. Laugh, cry, and be inspired. And now, your host for Recovery On Air, Donna Alexander. Welcome to Recovery On Air, the show in which we work to break the stigma of addiction by talking about it. I am your host, Donna Alexander. Co-host, Justin Lawson. Welcome, Justin. I'm glad you're here with us today. We also have, as our guest in the studio today, John Moreno. He is an alumni from Crossroads West, and he also works with the Barbell Saves Project. Correct. Perfect. So I think what I want to hear from you first is you tell me you have a story of recovery. A little bit shaky here and there. Yeah. So we want to hear about that, please. Perfect. So my recovery uh, or my, my story begins um, definitely growing up, experienced uh, you know a lot of trauma as a kid. Um, and when we talk about like adverse childhood experiences, and if you have experienced, I don't know, four out of the whatever it is, like you're now you're more predisposed to chronic uh, health issues later on, addiction, mental health, all that kind of stuff. So um, dealing with that growing up obviously led into um, my addiction. Uh, from there, I would say then, you know, that started kind of like the uh, criminal behavior, but it was really like Growing up, never really having that like a uh, sense of family, home, all that. Um, so naturally, I think I gravitated towards um, the wrong crowd, uh, and so that kind of became my community, my family, where I found my uh, like these are my people, which led to um, crystal meth use. I, I I think I experienced uh, pot at an early age, probably like thirteen, uh, coke. 14, 15, uh, at 18, it was crystal meth from there. Um, it just grew deeper and deeper into that addiction and criminal behavior. Um, started, I think the first time I got arrested was, uh, 1992 or something like that, right after high school. Um, and that just led to a criminal behavior, went to prison off and on. And, uh, it was just, you know, the same thing over and over. I would try to get uh, clean and sober, and it just wouldn't. i get about, like, 10 months, I think, um, and then reality would start setting in, like, all these responsibilities that I would have to do um, sober. And uh, I was like, oh, can't do this. It was easier for me to go back and start using again. So then that's what I do. I could never get a year clean. Um, and then I'd go to a different rehab or a different halfway house, um, and that continued, you know, all through my 20s uh, and most of my 30s. Uh, I got out of federal prison in 2000, at the end of 2007. And part of my uh, condition of, of release is I still had to go to like a treatment. Um, and that's where Crossroads West came in. Mm-hmm. Uh, went there, um, completed the uh, program, became house manager. Um, and then at that time, I started going to school to be a personal trainer while I was at Crossroads West because fitness was always like a big part of um, when I felt good, when I was locked in on my fitness, all that, I felt like my recovery was better. Um, So I started doing that. 
that didn't last very long, ended up going back, uh, got out in 2013. But prior to getting out, um, I had this like, uh, I woke up one day in prison and was like, something has to change. I'm going to get out when I'm 41 years old. And uh, all the other times I'd be like, oh, I'm just going to wait until I get out and make these changes. But then I was like, well, if I can't get my shit together in here, what makes me think I'm going to be able to get it together out there? And I did that over and over. Um, I never completed probation or parole or anything like that. When they used to let me out, I was on the run. I didn't care. I didn't report. Wasn't going to give a dirty UA. I was just not going to report. So I, that was my whole entire like uh, MO while I was on paper or whatever it was. Is this I absconded. As soon as they let me out, I was gone. So this time around, I was like, something has to change. I started reading a lot of like self-help books. Probably had like two years to go before I got out. Um, started really focusing. I took the drug program. Um, I started making all these different plans for when I got out. About six months before I got out, my aunt came to visit me. And uh, she was, you know, a religious person. You know, uh, she came to see me and she's like, uh, I want you to come live with me. I know that uh, God has a plan for you, but I just want you to come home and have a safe place where you don't have to worry about anything. I just want you to know that you have a safe place to come to, and and that's it. So I left the visitation and was like, this might be the only opportunity that I have to take advantage of what she just offered me. So I got out September 13th of 2013, went to uh, her house, uh, started going to meetings, started just really focusing, you know, got a gym membership, started doing all the meetings, all that kind of stuff. Um, then when I was ready to work, started working. But really, I think that the difference this time around is like uh, I walked into a CrossFit gym a couple months after I got out. And um, for the first time, I found that community. And I felt like they accepted me for who I was at that time. I no longer was like judged for my past. But from that, I found purpose. And when I found that purpose, I found my passion. And that was helping others in, in recovery. Um, so I got married in 2014. I moved to Massachusetts, uh, went back to school out there because my wife at the time worked at Harvard. Um, so I went back to uh, UMass Boston. I took the addictions program and graduated there. I became a case manager and a clinician at um, a long-term residential treatment program for single fathers with kids and couples with kids. And the families actually live there on site. Um, nice. So I did that. But my self-care this whole entire time was CrossFit and that community because, you know, working in the recovery um, field can be very stressful if yes. you don't really focus on your um, self-care it's a high turnover rate burnout just because sometimes you're seeing the exact same thing that happened to you you know and it's sometimes it's hard to uh, separate them if you're not focusing on your self-care and doing you know taking care of yourself because you're seeing a lot of this stuff that you know I wouldn't say it was re-traumatizing but it was just you know when the kids are involved you know, and you have to make that call to, you know, back there it was DCF to let the, you know, that, hey, they came up dirty, the kids have to be removed, right? You know, and all this kind of stuff. And um, you, you already know the consequences of kids being taken from their parents or vice, right? It's, so it's very stressful. Um, so I did that. 
I was there for about three, three and a half years. And then somebody sent me a job posting for um, this organization called the Phoenix back then, which is a national nonprofit that provides free sober activities for sober activities for people that are in recovery. I applied for it. I got the position and I was like, wow, this is like a really a dream job because now it's helping people in recovery, but also through fitness to, you know, two of the big things, but without the clinical stuff and case notes and all that. And I'm like, sign me up, sign me up. This is like, and it was like, a, it was like a dream job, right? I get to do what I love to do, help people in recovery through fitness. This is a no brainer. So opened up uh, the low location in low Massachusetts. And that was in partnership with the uh, sheriff's department there. So the sheriff there was a big proponent of like alternative um, treatment and trying to new things with the uh, uh, there in uh, Middlesex County. So he donated half of a um, like the probation building into a gym. Wow! And, and so uh, we had a gym there. I uh, I would go into the jail. I had to take this forty eight or a forty hour a week training at the sheriff's academy. Um, and when I did that, I became an unescorted volunteer to go back into the jails, which was like full circle coming for me right. after spending all that time in prison, going through this training. Now I'm able to go into this jail, unesco unescorted, get the guys from their, their unit and take them to go work out uh, in the gym. And that was like, I'm like, man, life How does comes. this happen? Yeah. I, you know, um, so I did that for a while. Um, and then. In 2020, I they asked me if I wanted to go out to Vegas and open up a location there. So I went out there, did that, opened it up. And then last year um, in August, I moved back here. I'm originally from here, out in Mesa, graduated mm -hmm. from Mesa High um, and worked uh, with the Phoenix up until January 31st. And then I started working with the Barbell Saves Project, which is a local nonprofit that provides free CrossFit and nutrition individuals um that are re in recovery and i've done i've been you know with them since i think march 1st maybe a little bit after um but i think for me this time what has really worked was um having you know along with other things you know therapy um doing volunteer work and stuff but exercise um has been a big part of you know my recovery this time just from a standpoint of you know the benefits of recovery and exercise, mental health, depression, all that kind of stuff. So um, that's how I got to where I am today just by, you know, and I, and I think the difference uh, today than back on all those other times when I tried to get uh, clean was I was really, I think it was, I was af afraid of uh, making responsible decisions, mm -hmm. right? I wasn't confident, my self-confidence, uh, self-esteem. So when everything got kind of like uh, real world started to come at me and like uh, responsible things or adulting, whatever you want to call it, I would have like, it was easier for me to be like, I can't do this. I'm just going to go back to what I knew because that's all I knew. Right. Just drugging and getting in trouble, going to prison. That's what I knew. And I wasn't scared to go back to prison, right? So it was just like, the you know, the the thing that was scary for me was doing the right thing because I had never done it before. Um, but once I started to, um, you know, work on myself and persevere and start tackling some of these obstacles that had been in my way before, 
I'm like, oh my gosh, I just did this. And then my confidence started growing. And once that happened, you know, the sky was the limit for me. I was like, I can do anything that I want to. Um, as long as I put my mind to it, I get vulnerable. I ask for help. And, uh, you know, almost nine years later, here I am. I'm, I'm living really the best life that I could possibly live doing what I love to do. It's not even like having a job when you love what you do. Um, but it's really just been from, you know, uh, fighting through, getting vulnerable, I say, was one of the biggest things of like, because I really didn't know how to live life uh, on life's terms. Uh, and this time around, um, you know, once certain, you know, because you're always going to face those little hurdles, you know, whether you're a convicted felon or you don't have a, a job history, all those things that you face when you're just like getting clean and getting into recovery because, uh, you know, because of our past has put us in this position. But the thing that I've learned is that like, no matter what, it's like, you know, even for the job thing, it's like, you have to really sell yourself and like, this is what I've done. I've made some mistakes. And this is what I'm doing now. And I found that most people are, you know, are willing to give people second and third chances if they know that your your heart's in the right place and that you're doing the right thing. So, um, you know, that's just been a big part of, you know, my recovery journey is just fighting through those, uh, getting vulnerable and, you know, just keep pushing forward. So I think um, that when we have those of us who have these high ACEs score, which is the adverse childhood experiences, yeah. Yes. So, because I also have that. And um, when it starts so young and it starts so early and that's all you know, you know. So tell us a little bit about how that affected you and how you ended up in prison and what were you doing that got you into prison? Right. Uh, I, I just think that from an early age, I never really felt, you know, I was also diagnosed with, a, you know, back then, AD. ADHD, uh, right? As, so, as almost everybody else was, right? Too. You know, and like I said, I'm 49 now. So back then, I think that's when it was re really just coming to coming to light. But I think that even you know everybody in my family didn't really know how to handle me. They, it was more of like a behavioral problem, right? Like, oh, this kid's crazy, right? Right. And it's really, um, and they, you know, maybe, and I'm not trying to give my parents an excuse, but I, I don't think they really knew how to deal with. You know, I don't it, think anybody did. And at so that time. it was a behavior problem. And so I would be at my, uh, I'd be, you know, uh, one of the things I forgot to leave out too is like when I was nine and my little brother, I think he was six, um, my mom and stepdad didn't come home for the night. So we had to, um, my little brother woke up crying. The cops came, removed us, took us to a child crisis center until my dad and stepmom picked us up. But that was another traumatic event, Absolutely. right? So as a kid, you're wondering, like, why doesn't my mom love me or why did she right. leave? And that develops into other problems of insecurities, uh, relationships issues that all came out, you know, later on in my right. life. Um, so once we went to go live with my dad, then my dad couldn't handle me. I'd go back to my mom, I'd go back to my dad's or I'd go to my aunt's, go to my grandma's. So I never really felt like this uh, had a, a true home, right? Which, you know... Um, so that was like a behavior or they thought it was a, you know, behavior problem, but it was like, I just felt like I never fit in even with my family or friends or anything like that. 
uh, as then I got older, I mean, I was pretty good at, at sports and athletics and stuff like that. And I actually felt like the happiest time when I was a kid and, you know, through junior high and high school is when I was playing sports and they were team sports. So if you look at it from that perspective, it, that was kind of like my family. When right. I was on those team sports, I felt like that's where my connection was and that's where I belonged. Um, but once that was taken away from me, it really became about the people that I was using with became my like community, my people, the meth using, started doing that, started getting into um, fraud, doing all that kind of stuff. That's, you know, how my um, incarceration began with uh, with forgeries, stuff like that. Um, federal um, sentence was uh, bank fraud, uh, mail theft and aiding and abetting. Um, but from there, you know, like I said, you know, there was a lot of like physical, uh, abuse to growing up. Right. Um, my dad was, you know, physically abusive. There was, you know, he was a, like a rager. My stepdad was like that. My mom was an alcoholic. Um, so seeing all those things, um, and like we were talking about the adverse childhood experiences, you know, once you hit a certain, you know, number of those, you're already kind of predisposed to, you know, the long term. Danger. Yeah. So, and, and that's where it began, you know, even with relationships, uh, you know, it was like, I was a jealous type. I always thought, you know, I wasn't good enough. You know, it, you saw all these effects coming out later on in uh, relationships um, and, and so forth. But I think that understanding and this time around, was um, really through like therapy was going back and filling those gaps right that that I had missed as a kid because you know that's a, one of the reasons why I would use is to fill those voids right. right that I didn't get and I know that this time around that if I didn't go back and work on that past uh, childhood trauma and stuff that like there would probably be a good chance that I would go back and and relapse if I didn't so I really focused on changing uh from within, right? I wanted my outside, my outsides to match my insides. Cause before it would be just like, I dress nice, everything looked good from the outside, but inside I was just a mess. But this time around, I wanted everything to, you know, the insides to match my outsides and try to become that, uh, as whole as I, I can be. Um, I still go to therapy. I still love therapy. Right. I, I think that when we get to the point where like, we don't need therapy, we're in trouble. Right. <laughs> right. So that's, you know, um, a big part of, you know, my recovery today is, you know, continuing to, you know, learn new ways to deal with things, you know, finding, you know, you know, there's always something to work on for me. So. Right. I, I agree with you on that. And, you know, one of the things that I found is working with a sponsor and right. working the 12 steps to being very engrossed in that and continuing to do that kind of stuff. Cause for me, sometimes that's my own form of therapy. Although I do have a therapist too, cause I'm batshit crazy. I'm okay with that. So now that you're in with the barbells project, so tell us a little bit more about how that works and also how people can get a hold of you guys. Yeah. So the, like I was saying before, uh, we're lo local nonprofit, um, we have our own space on, it's actually 2806 West Cactus Road in Phoenix, right off the I-17 and Cactus, 7,000 square foot, uh, brand new gym. Um, we provide free CrossFit nutrition for 
anybody that's in recovery, the only requirement is 48 hours of continuous sobriety. Oh, um, wow. But okay. we but we have, uh, you know, great coaches. We have peer, most of our coaches are in recovery. Um, and it's free for anybody um, that's in recovery. And, you know, it's for all fitness levels. Um, I know you had a bad experience, <laughs> but it is, it really is. Um, no matter where you're at on your fitness journey, if you've never worked out or if you've um, just barely beginning with our coaches um, can, you know, scale the workout. If somebody, you know, uh, is a little bit more advanced or they can scale the workouts down to meet everybody where they're at um, on their physical uh, or on their fitness jersey. So I will tell you that when I was there, part of what I really liked about it was, if I'm not mistaken, we opened the workout with the serenity prayer. And uh, then at the end of it, we talked a little bit. Like, I think we did like one day was fears. Yeah, I think they usually, I think they open it now with like an icebreaker question. Like, a, maybe that's it what could it be was. like, go around, introduce yourself, uh, give us a one positive, you know, affirmation about yourself, you know, be like, hey, I'm John and uh, today I am strong. And then it goes to the next person and kind of, you know, gives everybody a chance to um, introduce themselves. And afterwards, um, you know, we have a, like community time where people are like uh, stretching and stuff, cooling down after the workout where, you know, you can have time to build that community and get to know one another. But I think that the big part of it is, is, is building a community of like-minded people that are in recovery, but also doing um, healthy things, you know, like uh, working out, which leads to, and I think that once you build that community, is you start to see it transfer outside of the gym, even with like, you know, say Justin comes in and he hits his uh, personal best on a deadlift, right? And he takes that confidence out of the gym. So maybe he's uh, has been kind of hesitant about putting in a job application somewhere, but he's like, you know what? If I just hit that PR on my deadlift, I can go in there and put this application in, or I can go to therapy next time and start working on some of these uh, barriers that I've been like holding back on. But you can see it transform in other areas of somebody's life other than just the uh, getting strong, right? I think that when we feel good about ourselves, our recovery stronger, that means like the chances of relapse go down. Um, but you also see it translating over you know, in other areas of people's lives. No, absolutely. Uh, that confidence builder, confidence in so many other things other than just physically, you know, building that internal confidence. I remember in 2018 when Rob had brought that program over and told me what you guys had going on. I was like, wow, this is a this is a great thing. You know, um, it can be so challenging to dealing with your substance abuse issues and then integrating back into society, into the community. And that's a great place that Barbell Saves is to be able to, go into that community and be surrounded with other people, like-minded individuals, you know, people that have something you want that have been through the struggles that you've been through and are in recovery too. And I just think it's amazing because that's one of the biggest challenges. Okay. I'm sober now. I completed residential treatment. What do I do now? You know, going to all the meetings isn't for everything or this thing isn't for everybody, you know, but for those that are, are into the fitness, they can go over there and be engaged with people that have com common backgrounds as they do and are doing are focusing on the same things towards recovery. I just think it's an amazing, amazing program. I think it's it's just awesome to be able to go out there and just feel right at home when you get there, you know? Yeah. And I think, too, that like uh, one of the other things, too, is like a. Uh, a gym membership uh, to, you know, CrossFit or some of these other, um, you know, 
you know, fitness uh, companies or whatever, the barrier can be that like when you're just getting into recovery is like you don't really have uh, money for these memberships. Right. So we try to remove those barriers and that's why it's free for anybody that's in recovery. Again, that 48 hours. Um, but I think that, you know, exercise is one of the most underutilized prescriptions for mental health and depression and it's free, right? And I think that when we start, you know, whether it's working out at Barbell Saves or just walking or doing something, but I think it's, there's so many benefits to it that, um, it, I mean, especially for people that are in recovery, right? Because it's like you're healing your body from the years of using, right? You're doing a lot of good things. And then from there, it's like you start feeling good, like uh, physically, right? And then you're like, okay, now you kind of start watching, you know, what you eat and stuff like that. And it becomes, and then people are pretty soon are like, they really, uh, like for me, I've done so much bad to my body, you know, from using and, you know, IV drug user, all that kind of stuff that, and now it's just like, I want to keep living forever. So I want to like, you know, and if I was willing to put all that bad stuff into my body, right. And today I want to try to put as much good. And that's not just like nutritionally, right. But I want to try to put as much good information into, into my body, into my soul and all that, because I feel like, you know, it's going to just make me a better person. So I have, I have a couple of questions, actually. The first one being, nutritionally, what do you think is the thing that most people in recovery, and they're starting on this journey, lack? Like water, vitamins, well, I think protein? That, or maybe it's just not enough education around how to make healthy choices, right? I think that it's you know, uh, it's easy just to go into a store, right, and just grab what you see first, which is probably going to be chips and processed foods and stuff. And, you know, because it, it's it's all positioned in the store for a reason. Like Absolutely. It's, it's all there at the checkout, you know, with all the sodas and, and all that. But I think it just starts with the basics of, like, try to eat as much whole food as possible and less pro processed and not try to overcomplicate it. But, again, like you are saying, water is, like, a big thing. Like, make sure you stay hydrated and all that um and definitely you don't want to put too much on somebody's plate in early recovery right because they got a lot of stuff going on already so you want to kind of keep it you know simple um so you know they're not trying to worry about too much about like the new nutrition part maybe if they've had an eating disorder right before right so you don't want to get too complicated into it it's just you know maybe some you know general um information on just you know the basic make uh, healthier food decisions and stuff, you know, less fast food, right? Or if you are, you, you know, let's say like, you know, what are some of the more healthy-ish uh, fast food type places that you could go to instead? Or maybe it's a salad it, uh, or a grilled chicken sandwich instead of a burger with everything, you know, so it's those kind of things that you can start off small and then eventually work up to be like a little bit more in depth in the nutrition piece. Well, this brings back to a lot of things. The first couple times I try to get sober is always, okay, get sober. I'm coming in malnourished. I need to start going to the gym and get physically in shape so I can look and feel good. And I would never attack the emotional sobriety or, you know, my financial amends or the amends, anything else. It was always get healthy, go get a job, feel good, look good, and go on about my life and do it. And I would fail every time because I would put my sobriety number or my physical health 
would be my number one thing in sobriety. It wasn't a higher power. It wasn't working a program or anything. And I would fail and I would fail. This time when I got out, I really focused on working my program, working with the sponsor, working with others, and then integrated my health into it, my physical health into it later down the road. And when I was able to do that, I had a healthy balance. You know, now I'm physically physically fit, feeling good about myself, but I'm also feeling good, like you had touched on, emotionally, internally. You know, and I can I have something to offer on those grounds too. You know, you have a lot more to offer, and that's like Barbell Saves. They they do offer that. I really like that. So Justin, so let's for our listeners out there, explain a little bit what you mean by emotional sobriety. Emotional sobriety. You know, I look good, I feel good, like John was saying, but inside I feel like shit. Right. Um, inside, I don't know how to handle my emotions. I'm smiling, but my brain is running a thousand miles an hour. I don't know which way to go. I don't know how to react to this person. Sorry, I reacted to this person, but I don't know how to make an amends to this person for reacting that way. So through the program, I learned how to handle those emotional those emotions. I learned how to make amends. I learned how to get outside of myself internally and make it match up externally, if that makes sense. Right. Okay. So, yeah. and so John, I'm going to tap onto what he was just talking about and ask you if in your adventure so far at Barbells, have you had people that have come in and you're a peer, so you hopefully can identify this a little bit that are doing what Justin was saying, is they're going to focus on their physical self rather than some of the other things that they need to do too. And, and do you try to pull them in gently and say, Hey dude, let's maybe take a look at this. Cause yeah. I see you deadlifting this and I see you doing all of that. But I also see the sadness in your eyes. Right. Or... Yeah, I think exactly what Justin was saying, too, is, is that I think that, you know, even for me, uh, even when you're working in the recovery field, even when I was a case manager, is that I would see individuals that like they just wanted to like, OK, what I got to do, um, what level do I need to get on to get a job? I need to get a job, a car. I need to get out there, do all this stuff. And then I'd be like, hey because of my own personal experiences in the past, right? Like you can get all this stuff, right? But if you don't work on that emotional sobriety, like Justin was talking about, right? You're going to lose it all sooner or later. So let's focus on getting really just focusing on your uh, foundation for recovery, right? We want to build that foundation where it's nice and sturdy, right? We don't want something built on sand where it's going to crumble, right? right? So uh, like you were saying, if we do see somebody that you know, maybe they're in that position of like, and it's probably just to kind of, you know, have that private conversation. Hey, let's, you know, working out and all that stuff is great, but let's start working more on like your, your recovery, your foundation. Let's get that more, um, settled in because if you don't have that settled in, right, like that foundation is going to be kind of uh, shaky, but you know, if somebody's like that, it's just having a private conversation with them and say, hey, maybe it's dial, dial it back a little bit. And let's let's really focus on uh, your recovery and and, be, you know, making sure that your insides are going to start matching the outsides. OK. And you guys are open to people on mass services, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We actually have a um, uh, where we're located is right next to uh, CMS. So uh, they have like a big. uh they're next door, and then like right next to it, we have that seven thousand square foot um, gym. But um, Barbell Saves um, welcomes all pathways to recovery. I always say, you know, there's so many pathways out there. Whatever pathways uh, you're on and it's working, good for you. Keep doing it. Just add the Barbell Saves project as a tool in your recovery tool belt. That's great. I'm thinking about it. 
I have to make sure that I know oh, when we have, you're there. And we have a, well, you have an open house this Saturday at 9.30. And uh, what's the address again? 2806 West Cactus in Phoenix, 85029. So we're going to have a, a, a all-level workout for no matter where you're at. Uh, it's for all fitness levels. And then afterwards, we'll have like an open house, um, some raffles and stuff like that. But it's a chance for everybody to come in, experience the workout, and then ask questions um, about what we do and, and you know, meet some cool people. So Justin, you said that they came to you with this program that they're doing. So is that what you're doing is you're going to some of the different treatment centers and trying to let other people know about your program? Yeah, partnering with them. Like we did a, a outreach um, at Pure Heart Crossroads with uh, Sammy. Uh, yes. She came to visit the gym and then we, me and Rob went over there for an uh, outreach. Um, so they want to start referring, you know, because right. they can, you know, once they're done with IOP, right, we want to be able to have that warm handoff to like, hey, introduce us oh, to Barbell's. great idea. Barbell Saves so they can continue to do what they've done up to that point. Because I think a lot of us know that some people, when they start to, you know, digress or is because they stop doing what they're they're doing in IOP or whatever, they, you know, they just think, okay, now that it's over, I'm going to stop doing uh, everything that, that I've been doing this way, they can continue to keep, you know, whether, you know, they're working out over there at the, uh, pure heart gym. Once they leave the IOP, they can now start coming to barbell, uh, saves project. And then I was just over at West a couple of weeks ago at the, uh, house meeting on a Sunday right. to, uh, talk to all the guys there. And I think we're going to start going to crossroads West a couple of times a week, actually bringing workout classes nice. to them. And hopefully, um, some other uh, crossroads uh, facilities, we can start doing that um, as well. That would be amazing. So um, what John's referring to over, we have crossroads at Pure Heart. They have a gym. They have an all-encompassing uh, intensive outpatient program there that does have some trauma stuff too. So if you want to find out more about crossroads and what we're doing, and especially even Pure Heart, then give us a call at 602 263 Four two and look things up on our website at thecrossroadsinc.org. And Justin, I bet you're hoping that they get all the way over to the east side to our Red Mountain facility. <laughs> yeah, right when Robin brought that over, I was like excited about it. And then I got moved to the east side and I was like, oh, wow. And uh, I've made it over there once. I've checked out their facility. It's great. Um, hopefully they do get over on the east side. Uh, John was talking about Gilbert sometime. You guys have something going on over there? Yeah, we have a... Um uh, we did a, uh, fundraiser, uh, workout at CrossFit perception. And, uh, so they might start hosting some, uh, barbell saves classes out there just to meet the needs of people out there that are out there right. in the East Valley that don't, you can't make it all the way out there to, uh, I 17 and cactus that, that he might start, um, opening up his space a couple hours a week to, uh, host some barbell saves classes. You know, I think that. I actually went to the facility before you opened that one because that one's not been open very long, has it? No, not uh, probably like eight months. Yeah, so I went to the one before that. Oh, so, you, and went, you, probably, like, you probably went to uh, CrossFit was, um, at the time was CrossFit Uru. It's called Hammer now, but that was on Peoria and yes. like 24. Okay, yes. so you went, you went to the CrossFit gym. I, yeah. I went there and that was like, I think it was pre-COVID or right after COVID started. So like 2020. Okay. Yeah, so see, I've been a chicken well, you be, you for two back. years now. You got to come back to the, the new location. <laughs> yeah, it sounds good. And so 
do you have gender specific? Do you? Because I think the one the class that I was in was all women. Uh, we we don't we have like a um, we actually have a a, a workout on. I think it's June 11th for the Televerdi uh, Foundation. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but no. it's like a, it's all women that have, uh, you know, been incarcerated uh, that are back out in the community. Um, so we're going to host um, them on July 11th. It's going to be all women's workout and stuff like that. Now, is anybody welcome to that or just people that have been incarcerated? Uh, it's just that particular time. It's just for the Televerdi Foundation. Um but if it's like a specific, like say it's all female house and they just want to feel more comfortable coming in, um, where it's just the ladies, then we can schedule a time that, you know, they can just bring in, uh, their, uh, organization. And so what hours are you guys open? So we have right now, we have Monday through Sunday, we have 6.30 AM, 7.30 AM, 4.30 PM and 5.30 PM. And then on the weekends, it's um 8 a.m and 9 30 on saturday and sunday and those are when workouts are so that's yeah. the only times you're open uh yeah and then we have like the during the week those other times we have like uh, some partnerships that come in um oh. and bring in their uh clients and stuff like that so it's basically closed to the public except for those times you just said yeah and we'll be opening up some more class times but for right now those are just uh, uh open to the public times and I bet you have a website where they can find out what those times are because they probably were not writing them down. Yeah, the barbellsavesproject.org. Um, you can also find us on Facebook at the Barbell Saves Project as well as on Instagram, uh, the Barbell Saves Project. So a little bit more about your story. So are you an only child? Uh, no, I'm the oldest out of seven. Oh, wow, snap. And so did most but of you I guys... But I uh, half brothers and half sisters too. We have the same same dad, but different moms. Okay. So did you guys all grow up together? Did you get separated? I know that you said you and one sister, uh, brother, brother. Uh, so it was, it was just me and my brother, um, Michael, uh, and then my dad remarried, had Lisa and Aaron and then, uh, Stephanie and Andrew and Hondo different, you know, that was my dad's crazy stuff going on when I was a kid. But, um, no, we never really like, uh, grew up all in the same house it was at different times different you know especially for me i was all over the place i was from you know living with my aunt to my grandma back to my dad's to to my mom's so i, I was all over the place so did you finish high school no gd yeah in prison gd uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> see there is some good things that come out of that prison yeah. thing yeah no, I, I really, today is like, I think before I, I always looked at it as like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be able to do anything in life. I can't get a job, can't do this. But it's really like, I feel like I've uh, really turned my mess into my message, right? And it's really kind of like an asset for me now to be able to, um, especially for uh, individuals that are re-entering back into the community after incarceration, both men and women, that's been like my... Um, really where my passion is. Like last week I went and did a presentation at the um, federal, uh, for the federal probation staff. Nice. And I saw my old uh, federal PO and um, it was kind of emotional for me because she was actually uh, a big part of like where I am today because she was probably the first PO where I thought she really does care about, you know, seeing me get off this paper and stuff like that. And I remember her telling me like, listen, you've, ne you've never made it off 
you know, paper in your life or anything like that. So um, as long as you're honest with me and you do the work that I ask you to do, we're not going to have any problems. And uh, she kept her word. And what's you know, her first name? Uh, Kelly. Kelly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I know Kelly. Hats off to the probation officers out there. Dude, they really right? do care. Yeah. And yep. a lot of those federal ones really do because we have the opportunity, Justin and I both, of working with a lot of the pretrial officers and the federal probation officers. And there are a lot of them that really give a crap. Oh, yeah. And, well, and it was like, uh, Kelly. And I, and I remember, well, I was getting choked up when I was telling my story there in front of all the uh, probation officers because it was such a, that was such a crucial time for me that, you know, this time that I got out this last time. And uh, even one of them came and said, like, you know, your kind of story is like what we want all of our, you know, uh, individuals to, you know, be is because this is the stories we love to hear is about the successes and, you know, how you turn your life around and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it was pretty emotional. It was like life coming first full circle again. Right. Those are the, the things that, you know, and I'm always, um, cause I feel like I, I escaped that, like, uh, you know, um, haunted house you know right of incarceration right and i it's like i feel like it's an obligation to go back and try to do what i can to help others that are re-entering back into the community and when i even lived in massachusetts i volunteered every tuesday to go back into the state prison there to do a um, men's uh, re-entry um, group and just to talk about how did the mindset of like when you get out to like um you know you're going to face these different barriers and like hurdles, you know, but like, don't let that stop you from pursuing a better life. Right. You know, you might, you might take you a while to find, you know, housing or a job or whatever, right. but if you don't want to go back to that lifestyle, then you're going to do whatever you can to change. And, you know, if I can do it, anybody can do it, you know, trust the process. Right. right. Absolutely. So also, um, with your felonies, did you find it really difficult when you got out to find a place to live? And it sounds like you went to school and so you yeah. found a job. Yeah. No, I, I didn't. Luckily I had, you know, like I was saying, my aunt, um, oh, right. wanted me to come live with her. But, uh, you know, I, I think that definitely my circumstances of still having some family support, um, is kind of like rare because some people have burned all their bridges right when they you know get back they don't have anybody to go to so they, they're you know that's where you they get out and if, if they have to go to like a halfway house or whatever they're behind the eight ball already because they're already like owing money right so when they get their paycheck they still owe back rent right and if they have all these probation fees and all that and they can never get caught up and then they just go back to what they know because they're like i can't do this anymore. you know what i mean so um and it's preparing them, getting their mind right to know that, like, you know, anything's possible. You just got to get you, you know, be persistent. You got to keep, you know, because if it's important to you, you're going to do it. Right. It doesn't right. matter what it is. If you want to make a change, you're going to do it. If not, you're going to ask questions on how do I get there? Right. And, and so I always say is like, you know, if it's important for you to, like, not ever go back to prison, you're going to do whatever you can not to go back to prison or you know use or whatever it is but if you and if you don't know ask questions on how to get there there's more people that are going to be able to help you out and and i think sometimes again you know if they still have that ego right that might be a barrier from them ever you know reaching out because they're like well i don't want to sound stupid i don't want to ask this question well if you don't do that you're probably going to get the same results 
as you've been getting. So it's, you know, goes back to getting vulnerable again and asking questions. And that is hard for most of us to get vulnerable. Yeah, especially guys too, right? So sometimes it's tough for us to be like, you know, this is who I am, you know, because maybe they don't want to, you know, they're just getting out, right? And it's all part of, you know, I got to have this image of like, I'm I'm this tough guy, right? And I, I can keep it all together. But really inside, you're just like a... And I think that that's one of the things I know that um, our producer here with the podcast and myself have noticed more and more of the men that are coming out and being able to talk more freely about their trauma, which I think is just helping more and more and more men because it's been something that's been so closed off and kept so silent for so long is the trauma that men go through. I mean, women, we've gotten pretty good most of the time about talking about our trauma, men, not so much, I think until more recent. And now I think you guys, and and like you coming out and saying, Hey, I didn't have an easy childhood and I had to get vulnerable and you being able to too, Justin, to come and share and say, Hey, you know what? I screwed it up this many times. And now this is what I did different. I think that we need honestly more men to come forward and say that and be more, what do we say? Live recovery loudly so that others are not dying quietly. Right. You know, and I think that that's going to be a huge thing moving forward. So I'm so glad that you came on the air and told yeah. us more about the, the Barbells Project. Maybe I'll come and check it out again. Let be louder about my recovery. And this is what I need. Yeah, we got Maybe you. that's on me, <laughs> you know. And Justin, thank you so much for coming and being with us. And so what is your last takeaway? What is the thing that you'd like our listeners to receive? receive the most from you i think that it's uh to find your um you know find your community uh of like-minded people that are doing healthy things i think that a lot of us you know when we get into early recovery we just don't know how to build that community um and i I think that with the barbell saves or whatever wherever your you know your tribe is whether that's aana or whatever it is but you know search out and seek out other uh, recovery resources because I think that just broadens your your recovery um, makes it stronger right if you have a, a bigger network of uh, all these recovery resources try something new try something positive again goes back to get vulnerable right yep. you know um, I think a lot of people that are in recovery especially for me like I always want that instant gratification right well I went to the gym three days why am I you know why have I lost 10 pounds or whatever? Right. You know, and then it's just like, but it's just like anything with recovery, just like fitness related as well. Right. It's a process, right. It's a journey, right. It's like, enjoy the journey. It's not a sprint. Right. Right. And I think that a lot of too is like, you know, it's not how you start in life. It's how you finish. Right. That's the biggest thing is like, nobody remembers how anybody started a race. Right. It's all about like, how are you going to finish? You have time. It's never too late. How are you going to finish? You know, and um, I just think when you include, you know, a healthy lifestyle into your recovery, it makes for a, a, a better recovery. Right. Thank you so much. And I hear that. Thank you for being here. Yeah. No, Appreciate thanks for having me. Appreciate both of you for being here. Oh, thanks for having and me. And until next time. Thanks for listening to Recovery On Air, the official podcast of Crossroads Addiction Rehabilitation with your host, Donna Alexander. Join us next time as we continue our candid discussions about addiction and recovery. 
Listen 24-7 anytime to this or any of our shows online at StarWorldWideNetworks.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.